right, hello, 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 and welcome to the big show. This is Dim Lights and Stiff Drinks, the dive bars of Seattle. This podcast, dingy taverns, back alley saloons, queer roadhouses, and dive bars of the greater Seattle area. We explore the CD history, salacious backstory of these timeless drinking establishments, along with sampling what's on tap and uh, swapping tall tales along the way. We hang out in the places where sorrows are drowned and future regrets are made, so you don't have to. But we don't just talk about these awesome dive bars in the confines of some cushy recording studio. No, this isn't no. some Zoom call BS work from home bullshit. Yeah, none of that crap. <laughs> We're on location. <laughs> no, 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 no. We come to you live directly from Seattle's greatest watering holes. And uh, tonight we are here at Shorty's Tavern in beautiful Belltown. With me as always is the Dim Lights crew. Maybe we should call ourselves the Dim Bulbs crew. <laughs> that joke never gets old. Really. <laughs> never, never gets old. Four, four, five, six seasons, still good. Still Going classic. Yeah. Bob, uh, producer extraordinaire. Hey, now. Noted historian and uh, celebrated author Brad Stash Panda. Hello. Sweet MF and Lou. On the mic, thank you. That's right, that's right. And I'm your host for this uh, episode, um, DJ Side Pocket. Oh wow! Yeah, there's no pool tables here. Yeah, uh, no, but there there is pinball, and we're going to get into that. And you know, pinball is based on some you know, there's a whole crossover with the pocket. Anyway, you're going to get into that. We're we're going to get into that later. (laughs) All right. So we, uh, like I said, we are at Shorty Tavern in beautiful Belltown. And uh, Brad, why don't you kick us off a little bit about the history of the joint? So yeah, as Jeremy mentioned, we are at the popular Coney Island themed pinball bar in Belltown, and that bar is, of course, Shorty's. It's one of the epicenters of the pinball scene here in Seattle. You know, there's the museum down in uh, the International District, of course. But this is the OG pinball place. This is the first one that, that kind of kicked off the the pinball renaissance, yes. which we're going to get into. Drink at the other one. And that's a good point too. Uh, you can. They can have. Uh, I believe they have beer. They have. Beer. I know they have beer. So they oh, probably do they have, have wine. Uh, okay. I don't know if they have a full liquor license, but it's a family place, so it's a little different. But you yeah. can get a beer there. Okay. You know. It's like drinking at Disneyland. Yeah. It's not the same thing. And it's a cool place. I've been there a couple <laughs> yeah. times. I mean, a beer costs twenty four dollars. Now, as far as pinball goes, so for those who don't know, Seattle has a very interesting history when it comes to pinball machines. Pinball machines first came out in the 30s and were originally used as gambling devices where they didn't have flippers. Rather, you would just launch the ball into the play field, it would bounce around a little bit, and then wherever it randomly landed, you could win games or prizes. That's right. It was kind of like a slot machine where you could put more money in and get, your, get the pot bigger. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They were very popular. So as, re- as a result of their popularity, they also became pretty controversial because they were gambling devices. Mm-hmm. But, you know, mm-hmm. they're played as uh, games of chance rather than games of skill that they're played now. Too many husbands coming home on a Friday night. Yeah. Their paycheck already <laughs> Yeah. yeah. That's There's right. a lot of that. There's a lot of stories of uh, school children spending all their lunch money on the, the pinballs and stuff. <laughs> as a result of this, many parts of the country just kind of outlawed them altogether. Uh, the city of Tacoma, for instance, banned them in the 1940s. But Seattle saw how much money they were making and instead of outlawing them, decided to tax them. And subsequently made a fortune in tax and licensing revenue. The bottom line, though, is that they were huge money makers, and not surprisingly, organized crime quickly became involved. <laughs> this continued for several decades, and things got really gnarly in the 1950s when two different pinball rackets basically decided to uh, declare war with one another. 
One of these pinball rackets was run by the infamous Cola Curcio brothers, who ran a local jukebox and pinball business. Yep. They've been around for... Uh, Corleones of Seattle. Basically. Nice fellas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, what they did is, so starting in the 1950s, the rivalry between them and their uh, a group known as the AAS, uh, kind of a union-backed pinball conglomerate, suddenly there was a string of bombings. And basically the Cola Curcio, although they were never publicly accused of it, were basically bombing their rivals using dynamite. You don't understand. Well, no, they were, they were you money don't understand makers. what it's like. They were money That's, makers yeah. back then. They were <laughs> yeah. huge money the makers. Of what you would say is a multi-million dollar industry. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's not the quarter. It's not the quarters going into the machine. It's the it's the cash flow. It's the cash yeah, flow. This is, yeah, this is my business. You're messing with. So shit got real. Things got serious. So there were a total of five bombings altogether. Uh, they were bombing like the cars of their rivals. There was a business up on Queen Anne that was a pinball distribution company did they, they call them. this the pinball bombings the the new local newspapers did at the time oh yeah. of course yeah wow. the mayor got involved pinballs almost got banned as a result the mayor wanted to ban them but the city council didn't because they were making so much money so it became very scandalous and controversial they sure, were in the there's newspapers. bombings but the money but think about the money think yeah. about the children yeah. it yeah. all goes to schools yeah. Yeah. the churches pretty much pretty much <laughs> now these scandals there are a lot of political scandals involved in it at one point one of the couple people turned up dead i mean things got really serious this continued up until the 1970s when they kind of became more mainstream and they went they kind of made the switch from being gambling devices to amusement devices like how we know them today whoa whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. back up there so this switch that you're talking about yeah I, I, it, it's feels like a little bit of chicken and egg situation, right? Did, did they switch because they saw the writing on the wall and like, oh, shit, we're, gonna, we're getting like outlawed left and right? Or was it just like, hey, it's actually more fun if you do it this way and then change it? Like, well, there which, was, there which was, which was a the string for this change, right? The well, there was a string of events. Basically, they, they took the ability to, to pay out prizes and money away, and they kind of had to make the switch from games of uh, chance to games of skill. There was there were also two different kinds of machines, the bingo machines. They looked like pinball machines, right. but they were the gambling machines. They so anything that was, was flipperless was basically considered a gambling device, right. a game of chance, right. as opposed to a game of skill. Right. And the manufacturers, like for instance, Godlieb, would have a say on the back glass, a game of skill. Game of skill, yeah. they had to like Yeah, they had to have you labeled like yeah. that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe not necessarily by law here, but, you know, or they couldn't have a credit, uh, a credit meter. Yeah. So you couldn't have any replays. Yeah. Uh, but there was, you know, there was no monetary... Yeah, they, they didn't pay out any like money no, or no. prizes or anything. An extra game was the best you could hope for. That was right. the best you could hope for. Yeah, yeah. And, and the games and of chance, the games of chance had very, had very serious uh, like um, uh, regulatory and inspection. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They had to have like yeah. a token or something installed yeah. in the machine to show that it was certified yeah. and all this kind of crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And now yeah. it's just uh, the casinos where you can. Well, uh, we should we should probably take a second here and introduce who has given us all this awesome information <laughs> <Yeah>. about <laughs> pinball. So, Brad, we know your voice, but Ave out. 
Thanks again for joining us here. Hey, that's a regular contributor to the show. Regular contributor <laughs> Thank to, you. to the show. Came back in, in season one and now back in season two. And, and also you. the owner of Shorties, which <laughs> is where we're at tonight. Yes. That's right. Yeah, yes. fantastic. So. And, and you know uh, a great deal about not only Shorties, which we're here talking about and enjoying, but you know the history of the area, the history of dive bars in particular, and of course, you know, near and dear to your hearts of pinball machines like we're talking about. Right. Yeah. So thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And then the second part of your question, so like in the late 70s, early 80s, when they kind of started becoming more mainstream and not so controversial, that's also when video games entered the picture, right? Right. And... At that point, video pinballs killed the pinball star. Pretty much, because yeah. yeah. I mean, we were all kids when video games came on the scene, right? I remember that so vividly. When you got your Asteroids. Yeah, but even like when you'd go out to the pizza parlors or the arcades, Space Invaders, Space Invaders Asteroids, Pac-Man, Donkey yeah. Kong, Galaga, all the other ones, Dig Dug, yeah. Who, who wants to play Ace of Spades pinball when you could play Dig Dug? Or Pong. Or Centipede. <laughs> no, I think you yeah. need to go back Pong. older, right? Because like yeah, Pong was, was really old, yeah. It yeah. was old. It was oh, like yeah. original OG, like Pong and shit. Oh, yeah. It was coming on the scene that, yeah. was, that was really taking Pinball's lunch money. Oh, yeah. Literally and figuratively. <laughs> hey, now. Yeah, so as a result, Pinball's kind of became obsolete for a little, maybe a couple decades, I would say. Until lost a little bit of their luster, still around. Lost a little bit of their luster. Five or ten years. They were collecting dust. There was a decade or two where they were collecting a lot of dust. Not as many new machines coming out. The industry consolidated where Williams bought Bally. So Bally is exclusively focused on slot machines at that point. And it goes back to what you just said earlier. That's where the money is. Yeah. And the organized crime is not necessarily interested in pinball because it's too yeah, too much no work money to be made from them anymore. Not enough work, yeah. yeah. Uh, All these damn money. quarters, forget about it. Yeah. Forget about it. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. this continued until the 1990s when they slowly started staging a nostalgic comeback. Yeah. Here in Seattle, one of the first places to kick off this pinball resurgence was none other than where we're at tonight, Shorty's. And this was around in 1997 when Shorty's first opened. And Avout, this is where I'm going to kind of have you come in and help me oh kind of narrate the story of Shorty's. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Shorty's co- opened in 1997. It's a pinball-themed restaurant. And its first owner was Martha, what was her last name? Martha Manwaring. Okay. Who was already a, a fixture here in Belltown. Uh, there was a, a couple of older, uh, I mean, vintage clothing stores mm-hmm. uh, where people would come and buy their vintage Levi's. And I, from what I understand, they were primarily Japanese kids. Uh, they pay big bucks for a biggie, a Levi, yeah. a pair of Levi's. And, uh, but eventually that kind of dried up. And, um, and I'm not sure exactly how it all went down because I wasn't part, I wasn't part of that. You weren't here just yet when it first no, opened. No, yeah. no. I was still in the uh, And you in, arrived a, a on the scene, what, like maybe a year or so after it first opened? I missed, uh, I, missed uh, I think the first time I set foot in Shorty's was in 98. 
98, like, okay. Uh, late, late, like, um, you know, Thanksgiving or something. I forget. And it wasn't really a bar at that point, right? Wasn't, at that was point, it, still a it was a tavern. It was a tavern, and, okay. And that's, oh yeah, I wanted to say something about that because it's a little confusing when people talk about taverns mm-hmm. uh, and how the liquor laws have changed in Washington yeah. State over the, the past few decades. You right. Know? And if you have to serve food, right? Uh, well, I think a, a tavern... Only serves beer. Beer, yeah, beer, right. beer and wine. If you're yeah. called a tavern, you yeah. got to stick with the... Uh, yeah. That doesn't really yeah. apply anymore, though. I know we've yeah. we've been to a few taverns Ch- that, yeah, that right. sell hard liquor. Well, there is, yep. for instance, a sloop is a, is a real tavern. You know, yeah. that's, yeah. in my mind, is, okay, that's what it... There's no uh, misnomer there. You walk in the door, you know you're going to be able buy yourself a, a beer or maybe a Mike's Hard Lemonade. Right. Oh, sorry. But Daryl's Tavern, for instance, it's, it's a tavern, no but you can go there and you can get hard booze there. Oh, but yeah, I think they yeah, were yeah. a tavern, but they just didn't exactly. change the name. Well, yeah, exactly. 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 That's tavern. right. You know, Hoagie's Tavern, too. beer and wine only up yeah. until a year ago or right. they, yeah. 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 Yep. But you don't want to... See, and we never had that... We never had Shorty's Tavern or Shorty's Bar. It was just Shorty's Coney Island. Okay. And then uh, that, that kind of people's interest because okay what is that do you guys have coney island dogs what well, i was just gonna say you know legally with the name you know coney island you, you must by law serve hot dogs right yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> you know, oh well and, and you do so yeah you, we always know. have yeah. So you're yeah. Good. and we used so to have the coney fine. island sauce but nobody would ever eat it so it would be shipped here and we have to toss it it was expensive oh, and no. so that that kind of that that went away actually before i got involved Did but yeah to get back to your question it was the f- the first, the first six months, this place was uh, soda. Well, there was no alcohol. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And pinball, right? And pinball, yeah, and yeah pinball. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it sounds like it started off very much of a vintage retro vibe, kind of playing off the whole thing with the with the vintage clothing stores yeah. that were super popular at the right. time. And yeah. somebody was like, "Oh, hey, let's uh, yeah. let's expand." And yeah, well, the, 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 the I think what what is a key element is, and again, I wasn't there for that part. I've only met some of these people. For instance, Larry Reed is a is a Seattle staple who's been around for a long time. Gary always talks about Larry Reed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, uh, you know, guys like him. Uh, I mean, they there was a community, you know, and they right. they said, okay, we're gonna build this bar. Everybody chipped in, and they built this little pinball. And it wasn't a bar; it was a, an arcade. That's what it right. was. Yeah. And um, you know, and it was great. They designed the whole place. To make it look like an inside of a pinball machine, and it was, it was done really well. But then, of course, after being open for a few months or a half a year or so, you realize this is a business. We got to make money. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and yeah. So, yeah. Hmm, what could we add to make more money yeah. to this Alcohol. business? Alcohol. <laughs> bing, 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 bing. Yeah. So that's and when it became a tavern. That's when it became a tavern, but it didn't. It didn't get renamed. It was still just Shorty's. Still Coney Shorties. Island. Yeah. yeah. Shorty's Coney Island. Yeah. So you arrived on the scene in '98, correct? As a customer, yeah. Kind of started hanging out, and a grumpy customer, a grumpy ah. customer, <laughs> yeah. And it, we were talking. You and I were talking grumpy yesterday. Couldn't be able to get a beer. I couldn't. Yeah. Fi- I couldn't find a decent pinball machine. They were all broken. Well, that's where I was going. So we were talking yesterday, and you were talking about how you were playing the the machines. But so a little backup here. So you originally owned. Or were part of a pinball repair business in Holland, where you're originally from. I was just from. a hobby. Yeah, I I did that in my uh, in high school years. I was a pinball tech, you know. A pinball tech, yeah. So I was uh, riding shotgun with other guys. Yeah. With a driver driver's license. <laughs> right. Because in Holland you couldn't drive until you were 18, and by the time you're out of high school. So you almost went through kind of an apprentice 
ship of right. sorts yeah. learning yeah. the trade. In, these people were instrumental to, uh, in, in my pinball career because they provided me uh, basically uh, with uh, beer money and, and, and grass money, you know, all the way through high school. And, important people. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and you learn how to repair pinball yes. machines. Yeah. yeah. And 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 not only that, because I lived in a small town and there were not many bars and everything closed at two AM, you were done. The only place that was open was the biker bar. And nobody dared go in there. Except for me, because I knew the guys, because I would go there to fix their damn pinball machine. Yeah, so they welcomed you in. Pinball yeah. opened yeah. so many doors. Going. Yeah. Yeah. It did. Yes. <laughs> it did, well, yeah. it's just a cool, organic journey that you went on as far as pinball goes. Yeah. Like yeah. it was just your path that you were meant to be on and yeah. you got on it at an early age and you've yeah. been on it ever since. Yeah, and, and that, that whole thing in the high school was not because uh, I had nothing better to do. It, it was truly something I wanted to do because I was already, you know, playing pinball at the time and trying to find pinball machines as, as a younger kid, you know, which is hard, of course, because most play, uh, machines are in places where you, you, you cannot go. Or when 18 you're, or whatever, yeah. Yeah. So you were a Dutch pinball wizard. I was a uh, yeah yeah. yeah. Play to get yeah. pinball with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How would they say that in Holland? I don't even know. But uh, yes, um, I wasn't necessarily good, but I was uh, you know I was I was. You, you knew your way around a machine. You yeah, and uh, to find and a place, uh, find places where you could play. You know what I mean? Yeah. As a kid. Well, and then the massive skill, like you're standing at a table and you're like, oh, that light's burned out, or that that counter's not working right, or that bumper's busted. Yeah. You're like, Wait, give me a second. Yeah. And pop her open. And yeah. Yeah. I had a, uh, a a a play. There was a club where bands played in 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 my hometown, and uh, and the guy who ran the game there, he was such a slacker. He would never show up, and uh, it's like, come on, guys, and and I know what's wrong, and then. So, okay, well, they gave us a key, uh, you know, uh, for the money because we need to take the money out. So, okay, open it up. I'll fix it for you. So I fixed the game, and as I'm working on it, the guy shows up. He's like, what the hell are you doing with the pinball machine? He's like, oh, shit. Sorry, I was just trying to. Well, rogue repair. Wow, <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. Okay. He's yelling at me and... Um, like, man, I'm just trying to fix it. Yeah, but, you know, I, you know, I, was, a, I was just a little punk rock kid at the time, and... Uh, and the guy shooed me away and don't do yelling at me and I was like okay fine. Uh, years later, when I was turned uh, turn 18, I go for my driver's uh, exam and my driver's test. I open the door. Who's my examinator? It's no. that fucking guy. No. <laughs> Did he remember you? Yes. Like, hey. It's like, oh my god, he failed me. You know. Oh, what an ass! What an ass! <laughs> yes, I learned my lesson. Told the guys, like, I'm sorry. I'm not going to do it again. Yeah, welcome to fixing your No, well, I did learn my lesson because now I will certainly not fix somebody else's pinball machine. <laughs> I'll fix my own fix. Um, yeah. Stuff. Wow. <laughs> well, going back to Shorty, so yeah. you start hanging out at Shorty's in 98. You start playing their machines. You notice they're a little glitchy and there's mechanical problems with them. And so you offer to, to, to repair the machine. Well, what happened was I was just in a, you know, I was pretty oblivious to what was going on, aside from what the, the pinball machine in front of me was all kinds of messed up. So I'm like, God, this stupid. And I move on to the next game. Well, this piece of shit, the flipper doesn't know, you know, and I go on. And then I, <clears throat> I'm halfway through the room and, and I notice there's this blonde lady sitting on a bar stool reading the paper. And it was, I think it was a Monday afternoon, two o'clock. There's nobody there. 
And uh, she kind of, I guess, got sick of my, my complaining and, and my pitching. Hey, job. And uh, she hey, said, "You fix it. If yeah, you're so fucking smart." That's what she said. Really? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and good I, for her. And, and that yeah. was Martha. Yeah, that was Martha. And I was uh, and Carl, my friend Carl, who I'm still close friends with. Uh, he uh, he, I was staying at his house. He he's a car guy. He has a lot of tools in his basement. And I said, "You know what? I'll, you tell me which game you want to fix. I'll be back tomorrow." And so uh, I show up the next day with a little toolbox. And she had me fix a pinball machine, and she was baffled. I was like, oh, my God. Who are you? Said, yeah. Yeah. So who are you? And this, and I said, well, I was on my way to the airport because I think my flight to Amsterdam was the same day. So I said, I got to go. See you later. You know, but I did. Uh, we did exchange personal information, and um, I came back like three, cool. four months later. You said, you said that was ninety eight. That was a ninety eight. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I definitely attest to like being being here and being frustrated, like you described, right? Like maybe maybe ninety four, ninety five coming here, and like what well, opened most, in ninety seven. Most most <coughs> machines were freaking busted. Yeah, like, you yeah, come well, in here and there would be like one or two working machines, and you're like, okay, this place is cool, but um, <laughs> they really, really need a repair person. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was the repair person. Right. And eventually, you and Martha fell in love, got married. It was a beautiful story. You want to hear that, too? Sure. <laughs> Let's hear about maybe it. Maybe later. I got a few Okay, maybe later. Before I... Yeah. <laughs> no, the, well... What so, but you guys married, and you became the co-owner of the place as a result of that. Right. Starting in 2000? Um, I think, uh, yeah. Well, it, it wasn't necessarily a hard, hard date. There was just a, a, yeah. an organic process of... Of problems piling up and solutions being found. One of them was the fact that I had, a, and I think we talked about this briefly. Uh, I, I amassed a, a little bit of a pinball collection over time in Amsterdam, mm -hmm. but Amsterdam, you know, the homes are small, and I only have room for one in my own house, and every everything else is at friends' houses. And of course, uh, so it was a two-bedroom house. I sleep in one, and the other one's a pinball machine stack. Correct. The roof. Yeah, or in the living room, in the kitchen, you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, the, I mean, we're looking at this little. This is a this is a full full-size Amsterdam apartment. You know, it's right. yeah. it's a four hundred square foot place. That's how much room. Yeah, and so legs off, stack them up. Yeah, or they stiff them in some. Stuff in some basement, uh, you know, musty basement. Generous uh, taking your pinball collection and sharing it amongst your friends. Yeah, yeah but then, of course, these dumbasses all have to have, <laughs> have to, they Just wanted to have... beer on it, motherfucker! <laughs> no, no, it's worse than that. Ah. They got girlfriends, and the girlfriends, in the, and they want to have babies, and then they call me and say, hey, can you come get your piece of shit pinball machine, because we're decorating the baby room. It's like, oh, great, what am I going to do now with my oh, pinball machine? No. Yeah. So eventually, I had to sell a few here and there, and... Uh, and this, this all happened, happened simultaneously as I kind of got, you know, involved with Seattle. Mm -hmm. And so then, uh, and then Martha and I sit down and I said, well, it's an easy solution. You know, I just go back and get them all and stuff, stuff them in a container and I ship them all back to Seattle. And yeah. was it your pinball repairing skills that eventually won her over and wooed her into being your wife? What's that? I'm sorry. What was it? Your pinball repairing skills? Is that what eventually kind of stole their heart? And your good looks, and your good yeah, looks of yeah, course. Yeah, 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 yeah. of course. That's not. I really like a man, man <laughs> who knows his way way around a screwdriver. Yeah, and balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Old joke. Chrome balls. <laughs> Glass panels. Yeah. Hey now. now, so you started. Uh, 
you co-owned Shorties with her starting around in 2000. Right. Um, we sadly, got married and then uh, we kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and things bizzled as they do. And in 2005 or so, it sounds like you guys got divorced. She decided she wanted to move from Seattle somewhere else. Right. And that's when you became the prime owner of uh, Shorties in yeah. 2005. Yeah. The pinball king. The pinball king. The right. pinball king. From Wizard to king. Yeah, well, Martha right. was the queen of Belltown, but I don't feel I ever... Uh, you, you don't feel like you ever became the queen of Belltown? No. Not, we're, not we're during not the here, daytime. We're, we're, not, we're not here to judge. I mean, if, if you want to be the pinball we wizard and the this. queen of Belltown, you can do both. Now, do, do you still talk to her at all? Uh, yeah, but, uh, every, yeah, occasionally, every now and then. She must be kind of psyched that Shorty's, which was her baby, that you know, what she kind of gave birth to, is still around and still thriving. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I talk to her every now and then, and I don't know if I want to, you know, if I rub it in by bringing it up or, oh, okay. you know, yeah. I'm not sure. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, there definitely is a legacy that uh, yeah. is here in Seattle that she started. Yeah, and that's something she should be proud of. Definitely, yeah. And I believe, is it this year the 25th anniversary? This is, yeah, 2022 is, yeah. Yeah. That's right. So happy 25 years, happy quarter century. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. She, and she really started something, um, and I don't know if she had a vision or if she just wanted to do something fun or whatever it was, but it truly, uh, I believe, anyways, and it's not to pat pat myself on the shoulder, but it was the, you know, the birthplace of a resurgence and a renaissance of right. pinball. It right. started For here sure. in the Northwest. And it's Absolutely. Worldwide. We have mentioned many a times that all things emanate from Seattle. Yes. Yeah. The resurgence of pinball. Shorties is definitely one of the quintessential. One of the ground zeros yeah. of that yeah. movement. For sure. a little bit national. I have a good friend in San Diego, Tanya, and he's a pinball wizard. And he comes up to Shorties when you guys have the tournament. Yeah. Great. It's, yeah. It's like yeah. The, when he goes we see that. Yeah. Seattle, yeah. San Francisco, to wherever. Pinball West Coast people. Coast. Yeah, like, yeah. Vancouver. Yeah. So to recap, Seattle invented pinball machines. That is correct. And also invented the resurgence of pinball machines and invented the modern pinball machine and invented the pinball bar. Yeah. Right? Wow. That's all. In, we were all in agreement with that. Matthew. Well, I don't know if they invented clear. the pinball machines. but Yeah, uh, we didn't invent well, pinball machines. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll take That's neither here nor there. Yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of... More or less. Yeah. yeah. Very kind. Yeah. <laughs> well, and probably the next big event happened in 2019 when you guys moved... And we're going to get into that yeah. in the where yet segment. Well, there was what, what I want to what I want what I do want to point out is that when uh, Shorty started, it started during the dark days of pinball. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the Bally era. Yeah, so Bally got sold to Williams in the late '80s. Williams and Gottlieb were the only manufacturers at the time. I believe Gottlieb went out of business in '95, and in '98. Williams pulled the plug on pinball uh, production and also f- solely focused on slot machines, gaming. Hmm. So there were no more pinball manufacturers around. So it died for a little bit there. Well, Stern was still around, but Stern was kind of dormant. It wasn't really do. It was Data East for a while, and it was Sega, and it, you know, it's kind of wasn't going anywhere for, for a long time. They were kind of like, you know, forgotten. Yeah. But they, in the end, turned out to be the only pinball manufacturer around. Uh, and in those days, we th- we thought it was a good idea to start a pinball bar, and um, <laughs> and somehow it succeeded. You could not go online to find parts. Uh, I remember, for instance, when uh, 
was that? No, no, there was online, but nothing that was focusing on pinball right. as far as production parts, selling selling games, whatever. That stuff didn't exist. Uh, and I remember that when uh, we shipped all of our games to Seattle, they were sitting at the shipper's lot. And I'm like, where are my games? You know, when are they going to be released? Oh, no, we have to take them to the uh, customs, the customs place for they need to, they want to look at them. And so they had to put Make the container. Sure they're not full of drugs. Good idea. Yeah, right. <laughs> so they put them on a ship, on, the, on the, the shipping container on a truck, ship, drove it out to George, no, uh, somewhere in Soto. And they uh, opened up the, the, the thing and they didn't know what to do with, uh, and I called them. I said, hey guys, if you guys need help, I can show you how these back boxes open because there's a glass plate in front of it. Yeah, yeah. you do it wrong, you're going to bust something. Well, the, yeah. b- that glass what, hap- cheap. what happened was uh, that eventually I get a phone call and uh, I get my stuff is released and all, not all, but a few games, they smashed, they just smashed the glass. You oh, know? And, uh, but I was lucky because the shipping guy apparently was there when they opened the door, so he was my witness and no, everything was in tip-top shape. Yeah. And then it comes back from customs and it's all destroyed. So it wasn't us, it was them. Mm. And so that was an insurance claim that I got some money for, yeah. but then I couldn't I couldn't buy the damn parts because there was no... Oh, uh, yeah. But I sat on it for 10 years, you know, and then the parts were... Uh, they didn't... They never found the cocaine, though, right? They never found the cocaine. No, no, no. <laughs> were you, we? Because you beat them to it. <laughs> were all the pinball machines kind of gone, or were there some ones that made it? Were any, did any of the no, pinball well, machines make it a, through? Well, one was... Uh, yeah, one, are there any from the original collection that are still in the mix? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, what is still there? Scare Stiff is an admirer at this point. What's the one downstairs with the Molly Hatchet-looking cover with the Viking and the... Oh, that's uh, Centaur. Centaur, the black and white one? Uh, no, that's Centaur, the one next to it. It's like... Um, World of War. It's a Viking. It's muscular. He's got a woman with. Yeah, that is that is Centaur. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That is actually also from yes. As soon that as he mentioned the woman with big breasts, he's like, "Oh, that one." Yeah, yes, that <laughs> one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. we could talk about the guy with the small penis, but you know, I wouldn't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, any, any others? Yeah, man. There's there were. I have a lot it's of them. Dangerously at close to the question. What's your favorite pinball yeah. machine? <laughs> yeah, and we're not going there. Yeah. Oh, of course. Our family, yeah, but I didn't have it. I didn't. I was, oh, uh, safe cracker. Safe, oh, yeah, yeah. Safe cracker came from uh, frame came from Holland as well, oh, and that's cool. a rare, cool. rare game, you know. But a lot of stuff is uh, in my shop, in various stages of disrepair. Uh, or storage, I should say. Yep. And every now and then I pull out of the mothballs and I start working on it. And mm-hmm. and now there's parts available. I know I can find a new bag glass if I needed to. Or Do you have a, a gone fishing game somewhere? In the the fishtails, oh, yeah. Oh, that's fish class one. Fishtails. Yeah, that's a classic. Yeah, fish yes. Yeah. And that, I believe, also came from Holland. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. You, uh, have a, you have a... A Black Knight and a Black Knight 2000. You know, I have right? a, I have a, I have the, the 2000 and the 3000 and the original Black Knight... I didn't make it in the ship. They didn't oh. make it in the shipping container. It's still sitting somewhere in Amsterdam. Bottom of the sea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Amsterdam, huh? So, so if I go back to Amsterdam, I might be able to find it? Yes, yeah. Okay, well, the guy... Yeah, let's go. Yeah. Go nuts. Yeah, yeah. Road trip. <laughs> bottom of the harbor. That's, that's <laughs> worth it. Find an original black bag, I'll, I'll go to Amsterdam. Yeah. it's. I have all the parts for it. I just don't have the game here. 
So no, I didn't. I don't. You know, people think that I have every pinball machine in the world. That's not true. But I do have a lot of cool games that I personally like, and there's oh, yeah. a lot of games that maybe not necessarily my personal favorites, and that people, but people love to play. You know, and sure, there's a huge uh, nostalgic component to it, right? Like people, oh, yeah. people love to go yeah. back to the games that oh, they yeah. just like were yeah. obsessed yeah. in when they were like 12, 13 years old. They're like, oh my god, I remember this from right. blah blah blah. Well, and there's know? something about analog devices yeah. now because everything is so computerized and digital. Yeah. So. Something about analog devices are so cool, and pinballs are just right at the heart of that. Right. Mm-hmm. But the funny yeah. thing is that pinball machines were always digital. They were always digital. Even the rel- the relay games, it's just on off on off, and a whole bunch of them. Yeah. The only analog element is a uh, is the ball. The ball is the ball. Yeah. Well, in the flippers, you you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. So the they, they were the they were digital before digital was cool. Yeah. And what yeah. remains is the uh, the cock and balls are still analog. That's right. Here. Yep. Cock em, cock. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, the flipper in the balls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, it's it's a cool. Shorties is just a cool part of Seattle's overall pinball history, and uh, I'm glad you guys came out. I'm glad you guys are still around, and here's to 25 more years. So yeah, cheers to you guys. Yeah, you. for sure. Cheers. Yeah, yeah, cheers. I, I, feel, I feel like. A, I feel very uh, honored to be here because, of course, th- you know, this is an, uh, almost like the newest bar in the city, not the oldest bar in the city. Yeah. By no means. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I think a, b- a big part of it is uh, is that it is a, a place of community, you know, for a lot of people. Yeah. Pinball community or drinking right. or whatever it is. And um, that goes back to 25 yeah. years. One of the biggest memories for me in the community of Shorties when Anthony Bourdain came here oh, yeah. years ago. Oh, yeah. It was crazy. And I think he came twice. But I think the yeah, no, I was, was there. Uh, yeah, I remember. Yes. It was a wild time. And all, everyone was here from. Yeah, it was just it was just at the talk of the town. I went to the Pike Place Market. Oh, you got to come to Shorties. Anthony yeah. Bourdain. Yeah. 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 I don't know what he thought of our hot dogs. I can't remember what he said. <laughs> I don't even know if he ate anything. I, I yeah. think he already. I think no. I remember that he came uh, after they went somewhere for dinner, yeah. and they came to yeah, hang out. Well, I think yeah. he had an affinity for kind of blue collar, working class yeah. food places. So yeah. if he did have a hot dog, I'm sure he enjoyed it. Yeah. I think he, yeah. I think we need to dive a little bit deeper into this uh, Coney Island sauce. Yeah, the the, the Coney Island sauce <laughs> is all from before. Jeremy with the call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What's yeah. in the Coney Island sauce? Yeah, uh, who knows delicious. what's in the Coney? I know. I, all I know is that uh, since Martha was made, oh, sorry, was uh, was from Michi- uh, Flint, Michigan, she, uh, she I, I don't know how she probably saw it in the store. She had it when she was a kid. There was a place somewhere in Flint, and they made that sauce. It's some kind of meat sauce that we would pour over our hot dogs. Kind of like a chili sort of. Yeah, yeah. Was it spicy? No, no, not a there's chili different. loo. It was a meat sauce. Yeah, it's Pay a attention. meat. It's a meat sauce, and well, there's also a meatless. Apparently, a meatless. So uh, it was it kind of like a chili sauce? Wait, what's going on? It's from not that. a chili. Tony, Tony yeah. Well, but I, you know, <laughs> it's a meat sauce. I know, but that's what I'm picturing. I'm picturing. But apparently, kind of it's a meat sauce without. Meat? I, you know, wait, think wait, of it as a great gravy. It's a gravy, meat gravy. Okay. Okay, gravy. All right. And, uh, Coney but, Island gravy. But his stuff is expensive. It had to be chilled. Yeah, so, it's and, a and, uh, perishable food product. Yeah. 
fresh extraordinary yeah. it's neat it's good for like a week yeah and then so nobody buys it and you have to throw it away did Anthony Bourdain have any Sounds suggestions like on how you could like you know concoct your own no I think uh, if I meat sauce I don't think any, if I, if I remember correctly, I don't think any Anthony was in, interested in much else, but uh, kind of shooting the shit here and there with some folks, and yeah. and there was a couple of guys uh, that he was Drinking friends with. Free booze, and uh, <laughs> I want my free hot dog. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, Do you know who I am? Did he put on you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be six dollars, sir. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, well <laughs> like, oh, he's no longer with us, but uh, yeah. you know, um, uh, yeah, it was that was a. Uh, there was, there was, you know, and I, I wish I had a better memory, but every now and then stuff pops up. It's like, oh, my God, that was such a crazy night, you know. And I'm not even <laughs> here for the bartender. I bet you the bartenders can tell you all kinds of stories that I don't know anything about. The best dive bars in the world are going to have those, oh, 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 wait, remember that one night stories, right? Like, Yeah. Pretty much de rigueur yeah. for where we've been. Yeah. yeah. And unfortunately, you know, some of that stuff, 25 years, big, big chunk of time, kind of got... Raised when they mowed the block, yeah. But then the soul apparently moved here, you know. Nice. So that is uh, that is, and that is well, more important, I think. Yeah. Let's you know. let's get into the details of the move because that's an important chapter well, of the shorty's uh, history. But before that, round two. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, two. let's get round two. I gotta hit the head. Uh, <laughs> house band, Satan's Pilgrims. Uh, take us out. Back in two seconds. Oh yeah, nice. Satan's Pilgrims. We're back with round two. You know what I just realized? Seeing all the... It's too bad that this is not TV. So the viewers at home cannot see what we're looking at. Close your eyes the and sea, imagine. The sea of blue booze <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the lone man out here. I'm, but, I'm surrounded by... Uh, yeah. What we what, could what we could do is a little experiment and uh, see what radio sounds like when everybody has a has a major brain freeze. It goes with these guys down. Oh there. my god! Oh what, wow! Avao, a- you are you are rolling us into a standard segment, which is Genius. what you're drinking. We could do a super mini what you're drinking because we're all drinking the same fucking thing, yeah. <laughs> which makes right. it really uh, easy. Uh, uh, let's kick it back <clears> to <throat> you and tell us what you're drinking. <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked, Lou. Uh, I'm drinking a very odd looking blue concoction that looks like. Like a Slurpee that you get from Seven Eleven or something, yeah, but in fact, is a very, very delicious yeah. Dayquil. Dayquil. It's Dayquil. <laughs> Dayquil margarita. Dayquil. We'll call it the Dayquil margarita. Whether or not it actually has Dayquil in there is is, is a very Se- secret, secret proprietary shorties correct. recipe correct. that cannot be divulged on air. But uh, it looks like Dayquil. It's d- pretty much glow in the dark blue. We're all drinking it. It's all delicious. They're good. Yeah. It, and and on tap. Which That's uh, right. you know, a nice like a slushy, with a exactly yeah. Handle yeah. And the, little little slurpy the machine stuff getting mixed around. And yeah. Two A-Bout flavors, uh, four, two down, or two up. About what do we got? Oh, uh, all the flavors. Yep. Uh, okay, the flavors are: we have a uh, pina colada, pina trophy room, and pina pina what? Pina colada. Pina colada. Pina colada. I got. Yeah. What was the second one? And the second one, I don't know what it is. It's uh, some kind of. Um, uh, berry uh, vodka concoction. Oh, that yummy. Um, it's and does downstairs, downstairs. We have the other two uh, classics. Margaritas, right? Yeah, it's yep. margaritas and daiquiris. Oh, what's the red daiquiris? Does that have a funky name? 
No, it does is not. It but a, we could come uh, up with one. Robot, Robitussin daiquiri? Robitussin daiquiri. Yeah, cherry yeah. Robitussin daiquiri. Robitussin. As Ava yeah. has told me before, here's a pro tip for all you Jim Lance <coughs> Stiff Drinks fans. If you see a bar that offers a frozen pre-mixed concoction, that is a good value for your dollar. That's right. quantity of alcohol. Yeah. Because if you mix it light, the shit freezes up. Yeah. So you yeah. have to have enough alcohol in it. To keep it slushy. Otherwise, it'll freeze it up. So, so, Jeremy, I noticed you can get it in two sizes. There's the toddler size, and there's the Jeremy size. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why, I but I have a significantly <laughs> larger <laughs> beverage than all of y'all motherfuckers, but uh, uh, no Jeremy apologies. Jeremy will be calling an Uber in about <laughs> 45 <laughs> minutes. So, by that logic, Lou, uh, apparently all the slushies in 7-Eleven are high in alcohol because they don't yes. freeze? Is that, that is out? correct. Oh, yes. okay. Good, okay. That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. It's, uh, let's not get that detail. Let's not let that leak out, but uh, good to know. Nice. So you guys want to yeah. do a little uh, where we at? Yeah. yeah, where we at? Where, yeah, we at? where are we, where at? we at? Because we're in Belltown. It's Shorty's, a.k.a. Shorty's Coney Island. Uh, the second best bar in town. Ah. Whoa, wait, 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 wait. We got the owner here, Lou. Ixnay on the, the second, second A. Well, no, we can never say what the first one is because we're going to Alien. Of course. But if there's a second... It's Shorty's in Belltown, and uh, one of the best bars in town, and a place to go for pinball, beer, cocktails, and hot dogs. And bowling. And bowling. <laughs> That's true. There's a analog bowling machine up yeah. in the trophy room. <clears throat> it's pins on the ground. It simulates the... And, and a skee-ball machine downstairs, too. That's so right. which oh, is kind of like bowling, yeah. but yeah. it's, I don't know, what do you call that? White trash bowling? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Coin so, up. Let's talk about Belltown, because Belltown... There's actually a bell. It's named after William Nathaniel Bell. He was a resident of Portland who came up here in Sorry. 1851. I mean, Ava was good friends with him, I'm sure, right? Yeah. Well, 1851? Yeah. 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 He was a resident of Portland who came up here in 1851 to join the Denny Party. Oh. And like others in the party, he used the Donation Land Claim Act to claim his 320 acres at no charge. Right, not so, off that <laughs> deal. <laughs> so, but he's like, right here, I'm gonna put a big pinball parlor. Yeah. It's yeah. gonna be great. Yeah, but it wasn't 320 acres of what you see now. It was just rugged territory, right? Right. But the Denny family claimed the hill overlooking Pioneer Square and Doc Maynard and Carson Boren. So let, stuff on the bottom. So let me get this straight. It did Chief South. Shelf, what was his name? Chief yeah. Shelf. Chief Shelf. Yep. Did he just come and say, "Come on, oh yeah, come over here. Yeah, he's uh, he's three hundred twenty acres. Come yeah. on." Yeah. I, I don't think there was that, that welcome yeah. was quite there. And that's, wasn't that it? <laughs> that's a good, um, not quite as amicable as that. No, I don't think yeah, so. That's no. Some foreshadowing there, about. But that's a different story, <laughs> right? Bell chose the land near the bay, so he went up mm-hmm. the road a little bit. And in 1856, Native Americans burned his house to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Good for them. Because <laughs> they're like, yeah, that so, free land, yeah. About that. He legged it to California immediately after for the safety of his Little family. Lager. <laughs> and in 1870, uh, his wife died, and so he moved back to develop the land that already was in his possession. And he established several businesses on his land, and this is kind of cool. Uh, Virginia Street, yeah, and mm-hmm. Olive Street are mm-hmm. named after his Lenora. Daughters. Okay, Le- Lenora yeah. is uh, one of the daughters, I think. Uh, no, Virginia and Olive. That was but, his uh, mistress. I think. No, you're right though. Le- Lenora is not. Um, 
a legitimate child. Daughter, but somebody else's one of the Denny Party's daughters. Virginia's somebody else's daughter. Is that what Michael, Michael Jackson singing about? You know, Billy Jean's daughter. <laughs> Michael Jackson's daughter. Yes. Michael Seattle is named after Michael Jackson's daughter. Okay. Yes. You heard it here first. Yes. Yeah. All right. So Thank Virginia, you. Virginia <laughs> yeah. streets are named after his daughters, and Stewart Street is named after his son-in-law. Okay. Oh, wow. All right. So that's enough about Belltown. But I thought we would talk this week and where we're at about exactly where we're at, because we are at 2nd Avenue and Bell Street, right? Belltown. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. And Shorty's used to be on the next block, which is second between Bell and Blanchard. And the Belltown Ground Zero was that block for years, right? Right. It was the coolest strip in town for nightlife. You had Mama's, Mexican Kitchen on the corner, Lava Lounge, Shorty's, Tula's, Rocco's, Voodoo Lounge, and the iconic music. Rabbit Hole. Oh, it was and uh, what was the pink bar? Oh my God, uh, the, uh, neon boots. Yes. Um, yep. So yeah, just down the street. Yeah, that was a good stretch of land yeah, for nightlife. Nine bars. Yeah. That was a, a, a two-block area that was <coughs> just, the rendezvous. Yeah, the oh, rendezvous, a, the jewel box, yeah. the jewel box, the sit and spin, not too far. Fantastic, yeah. fantastic dive bar lore. Right. Yeah. I mean, right. just epic, epic. Yeah. And we're not even mentioning all the true old. Drinking holes, old man drinking holes, like uh, was it Palmer's? No. That, that that Palmer's closed when I came to Seattle, and mm. there was the place on the corner, the Irish Bar, Kelly's, and those are all six a.m. bars. You know? mm. mm-hmm. uh, they mm-hmm. were, Did you ever hang out the Two Bells? Two Bells, yeah. yes. The, oh, I the original the bells, yeah. room had the booze from the tr- the Two Bells. That's right. Yeah, that's cool. When uh, when uh, they closed, we bought their booze. And shoved them down the block to uh, the trophy room here, uh, the, the old trophy room yeah, in yeah. Meyer, uh, Shorties. So, okay. wait, gonna, I'm sorry, clear, I'm clearly make... hauled all of that equipment by horse through the <laughs> street. Yeah. Or, no, no, wait, by, by elephant. Hauled them by elephant through Circus the street. Circus elephants. Circus yeah. elephants yeah. down the street to the new location. That's right. Clear, yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, that, okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, just so more clear. So we got life, a, we a lot of trouble with that. But the life PT- was good. And then <laughs> in 2015... Word came down that this whole block was going to, that whole block was going to be gonzo for redevelopment. And at the time, there was this kind of boom of Chinese land and development owners that were scooping up real estate in Seattle. For investments. Yes, for investments. Purchasing and, um, 95% of Ballard. I'm not talking out of school when I say this, but a friend of a friend owned the Mama's Mexican Kitchen plot at the, uh, at the corner there. And he bought it in 1999. R.I.P. Mamas. $900,000. Good investment. And in 2015, a Chinese company offered him a fair price of $2 million. And he was like, eh, oh, I'm going to keep it. I kind of like it. And they're like, okay, $2.5 million. He's like, well, nah, it'll be worth that soon enough. I don't want to retire. And they're like, okay, $3 million. And I was like, look, I don't want to retire. Leave me alone. And then they came back and were like, Four and a half million. <laughs> so, oh, wow. So wow. Yeah, I guess I will fucking retire. <laughs> <laughs> you can't refuse. And then his head exploded. You know, you can't say no to that. So they were ready to start marching down the block and building a high rise. And that's when the little bar that fought back and stopped them in their tracks, at least for another seven to ten years, right. happened. And I'm talking about Avout and Shorty's. Tell us how the neighborhood group came up 
and stuck those mean old developers with a four and a half billion dollar Mexican restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the burritos were really good. Oh, mama's. Oh, was, the mama's, mama's burritos were epic. Yeah. 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 And mama's the Elvis was, room. And, I missed their food. You know, but, uh, the, you know it's a. Uh, and, and and that place had been there since the mid seventies, I believe seventy four, seventy five is when it opened. So by that, you know, it's it's been around for a long time, the two yeah. generations basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the cool thing about um, what I always liked about Mamas more than anything else was not the salsa or the waitresses. It was the fact that they were open yes. by eleven thirty, whatever time it was, and as soon as they turn the lights on, the open sign on. Belltown was open for business, and and it would ru- it, rain or shine didn't matter. People would line up, have lunch there. The bars would be open. Party started, you know. And now here we're on this block. It's a little different because, you know, now we are the quote unquote the institution. Anchor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, th- there's you not know. a lot of old school eating establishments in this neighborhood anymore. No, well, Rocco's moved. Th- to, there's moved lots here. of new school eating, yeah. and some of them are great, right? But yeah. like the old, like like Mama's, the old school restaurants, yeah. like, like yeah. you said, here from the '60s and '70s and stuff. They ain't many of those left. Yeah, th- no, there's not. Are you friendly with Jesus over at Rocco's? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, and so. Um, uh, but 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 to get back to your question, I don't know if yeah, if I at some point you banded together to try to you were trying to historically designate this block. Yeah, so well there was there was the uh, um, and I have to give credit to Steve Hall, uh, who was you know who was one of the and there was another guy, Evan Clifthorn, who was try who was trying to motivate the city hall the city council to change the laws. So they couldn't just come in here and pick up all these uh, properties for paying to the dollar and then mow it all down and build something and then walk away because that's mm-hmm. what's happening all over the place. Yeah. Um, uh, Old know, Navy, a Gap, a Target. <laughs> yeah. The, the shit that we see all over this country. With yeah. million dollar condos on top. Right. And so we don't need that here in Belltown. And, uh, you know, and I, I understand, you know, how these unreinforced masonry buildings have a have a crosshatch on their front door because they they need they need to be fixed you know yeah. we're living in a dangerous place well and then also that's it's a very convenient excuse right you've got it, yeah, like an amazing yeah. building that is like some of the last remnants of affordable housing in the city right it's like oh well that's not uh, seismic proof or whatever we're gonna have to right. demolish it and put up you know million dollar condos in right. its place yeah, yeah. it's a fucking and, and, convenient and, and, excuse and, you know and of course uh, you know the people own that building let it go to hell you know, it was just, uh, it was years behind and, and ne- neglect, you know, there were so many problems and it was unsafe and God knows what. But, uh, you know, uh, my... Well, to get back on track, I'm talking specifically about the time you have the clown brigade to save the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, well, well, there was, there was That's a... That's a good story. Uh, right? Yeah, that was, but then I again... I for that. I brought my kids and my fucking dog. Yes. And, uh, we were walking up the street and... Uh, it's a, but it's a na- like I can't take credit for it because it, it's it, it was it was the same thing with the bar, with the with all the other guys who'd go who would go to the city hall for all these meetings, but it was just a uh, you know just a bunch of organ, unorganized you know people <laughs> who all wanted the same thing grassroots. Yeah, they, yeah, but no, but, but no lawyers. No one actually knew how to get things done. No, no, it was yeah. and the Seattle only, way. And and that's why I mentioned guys like Steve Hall and Evan Clifton who were 
trying to get this get this an organized troop organized you know what i mean and let's let's make this a movement and they can't just walk over us um but uh, i don't know you know i i think what happened is because uh shorties was kind of done with the older buildings and uh and uh the wayne apartments which is the building we're talking about mm-hmm. was the last building to uh survive the regrade that was still standing and had residential units on top. Yeah, yeah it's a 40, so yeah, it, it provided uh, another one of the rare affordable housing units in yeah. the in the yeah. area. Yeah, that's what saved it, right? They were like, "Oh, we can't demolish this block because there's three shitty apartments on top of uh, the lava lamp." Right. Yeah, it was one yeah. of three, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's right. And so they uh, they you know they they didn't want to. Um, we we were not necessarily the organizers. We were just. Uh, I guess the brand name because oh shorties it's shorties but we were actually right. next next door and when the Wayne apartments got a landmark status everybody's like oh yeah you guys got saved now we didn't get saved because first of all it's a building next door and the landmark status doesn't mean shit you know so you yeah. got out yeah while the getting was good at the time when you moved I was like why are you moving it's been saved and you're like no it's Temporary. We got five to ten. Yeah. No. By the time we moved, it was 2019. Yes. And at that point, uh, I had, you know, I forget what our lease was, year to year or something. My landlord told me, "Look, you have one more year." So the yeah. there was no more, uh, you know. And in 2015, when uh, when it first became uh, news that they were going to redevelop the block, there was people interested or had bought the property and you know, blah blah blah. That's when my my sense of urgency kicked in. The clock but was I, ticking. I, you knew. But I was already looking for a place because I was look, I was working on a year to year or two year to two year. Yeah. I think this is not going to last much longer. You know. <clears throat> well, you yeah. picked a good place to move to because this has some serious historical significance. Too. Right. Yeah. So yeah, you're so, in a cool place. Yeah. You the picked next a good block, place. Yeah, and that's the beauty of Belton, I suppose. Uh, is uh, we have we had this. We we had this pit hole, the the armpit of Belltown that got changed into this cultural hub, you know, where all the all the people go to eat and drink and hang out and do all these things. And uh, but then right up the street there is this a whole other, you know, the movie row buildings. Right. Uh, all these movie yeah. row buildings here are historic. And um, my landlord um, obviously bought this building and. Uh, and it, it it got you know it basically got gutted and earthquake retrofitted and um, and so now we're set up for you know for the future where we don't have to worry about yeah oh we're going to be gone next year maybe knowing two what years. you've had to go through in multiple locations strong do you, stuff do you still think your days are numbered in this location no my days are numbered maybe but uh, <laughs> this place will outlive me yeah. good you know I think yeah. uh, good. our friend Lou is dying here <laughs> strong stuff. Somebody give him the Heimlich. (laughs) The new location has almost as as much of a rich, storied history as the old location, right? Yeah. So, which is super cool. I mean, you don't see that happening very often. Like, yeah, it's not like you had to move to some nondescript strip mall or something, right? I mean, and that and that's you know typically what happens. You go from a a, a historic building that unfortunately got raised because of gentrification into some whatever, yeah, 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 nondescript whatever. But but to go from one historic location into another, yeah, and this building is historic for many reasons. Yeah. For for one thing, it used to be Howard Hughes. 
Howard Hughes' movie studio. Oh, wow. So this was his bedroom. Oh, yeah. Can I uh, and, uh, give you a tiny bit of backstory? Is for some time, Belltown was a low-rent semi-industrial arts district, and a portion yeah. of this was known as Film Row. Yeah, servicing around 470 commercial movie theaters in the Northwest. Amazon yeah. Studios, uh, right in around the corner. In 1923, he had about 26 different motion picture machines and supply companies. And filming is highly flammable, right? Right. And so they wanted to do contain Our state. Into a yeah. And Belltown was the film district, right? Yeah, and the building, this building is interesting because the front half is wood. The back half is concrete. And the uh, basement had all these cellars. Uh, with a, uh, an open shaft up to the roof, sort of blast uh, blast shafts, because if those acetate movies would catch on fire, there's explosive. Yeah, it was flammable as fuck. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that that's probably a contributor to one of the reasons that Belltown has a, a very outsized, extremely large fire station oh, <laughs> just you know down the street. That's that. My, that it's, it's huge. As old as, uh, as yeah. Right, and yeah. it's huge. I mean, you look at any other neighborhood in the in the. I never in thought of Seattle, that. Yeah. And it's like, wait a second, why is there this yeah. massive three yeah. and a half block <laughs> fire yeah. station yeah. in a little dinky bell town? Yeah. It's like, oh, it's because the whole fucking neighborhood's flammable. It's a bomb yeah. waiting to go off. Yeah. yeah. And so aside from, uh, you know, whatever movies uh, Howard Hughes may have watched here or not, um, you know, there was a whole, Bounty. eventually all that movie stuff died here and... Um, yeah, and then it, in 1980, Universal Studios was the last one to leave. Oh, really? Yeah, so yeah, one. yeah. Warner Brothers. Everybody had the, and across the street is the is the youth hostel or the hostel. Yep. And that used to be the hotel where they uh, set up all the movie uh, the movie bosses. Oh, like for screenings. Yeah, yeah. No, the hotel's right across the street. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. But then you had uh, the Rendezvous Theater and the Jewel Box were kind of yes, the, the crown theaters yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can't see it anymore, but it used to be a wall here, and it had all these little square holes yeah. for different projectors that they oh, wow. uh, used. Oh, wow. You know. Wow. But I don't know if they, they probably gutted their, their viewing rooms because I don't, there was no... Yeah, we just thought that it. was cool, funky architecture, and it's like, nope, completely functional. Yeah, <laughs> completely functional. Nice. That's right. But then, uh, you know, I don't know what happened. Uh, they were probably uh, skipping uh, many years, but... Then the grunge thing happened, and Pearl Jam was, if I remember correctly, and I, and I wasn't here for this at the time, but the, the practice spaces were right here in the basement. It was building. in a row. Any better practice downstairs at Shorty's, and he lives in West Seattle near Pogi Tap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah in, in a future episode, we will have Eddie Vedder as a guest right. on this podcast. Mark my words. That's right. You guys making fun of me? No. What's funny? Well, well hey, funny? If, if, you think I'm funny? If we can get I'm Eddie Vedder, if we can get Eddie Vedder on the podcast, then we can get Abe out. Right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. yeah it's it's a budget podcast with budget budget party, budget drinks. Hey, you know. don't, don't be knocking the, the day cool margaritas <laughs> Man, you here. They're delicious. Done with that thing? How They're fucking happen? delicious. You know how to sell that, Ava. Thank you. <laughs> well. but, yeah, but a lot of punk rock bands, uh, the briefs, you know, uh, were in the basement. Uh, and, and I remember when we were doing construction, I, you know, sometimes walk, park in the alley, you load the van, you come back out, and the next thing you know, you're, there's a bunch of 
Chinese kids staring at you like, oh, it's like, what, what? And this guy is like talking Chinese and the guy, the tour guide. They're there for the band? And every now and then I hear uh, Pearl Jam. Oh, shit, they're here. This is a tour because they're, uh, they're checking out the birthplace of grunge. Yeah. This wow. particular door. Oh, okay. You know. So let's recap. Seattle, birthplace of grunge. And pinball. And, and birthplace of pinball. And computers. And computers. And, and com- com- consumer air travel. <laughs> and apparently the film industry yeah. also bir- yeah. birthed here in Seattle. Budget parties. Budget parties. Budget parties. <laughs> margaritas. We invented we invented day globe. Green margaritas. Yeah. Do you miss going to five hardware stores to look for the thing you want, or do you just want to order it on Amazon? Seattle. Thank you very much. We we invented worthless hardware stores. Yes. We yes, we did. The yes. Retail. Oh, okay. Yeah. Say that again. What's the death of retail? Oh, Amazon. Oh, Amazon. Oh, yeah. Se- Seattle invented the death of retail. stores to look for what you wanted no. and you can't fucking find it anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rest yeah. in peace, Ernst. Just throwing that out. Ernst. Ernst. <laughs> wow. Ace hardware still around, though. <laughs> the, the listener of our podcast will remember Ernst Hardware. <laughs> yes. Not. I just bought a <laughs> shovel at Ace Hardware, and that is the best damn shovel, I got to mm. tell you. And right. Oh, if you're in the market for a good shovel, Ace Hardware. I think a whole a flathead or a spade. A whole, spade. A whole other episode specifically about Seattle-based hardware stores. Yeah, because we do True have value. a we have a rich Hardwicks. we have a rich Hardwicks. history of hardware Tacoma. stores. Hell Tacoma yeah! Hardware. Hell yeah! Tacoma so Screw. Let, Tacoma let, screw, let us that. find a dive hardware store. Hmm. Is it, yeah. The list is endless. I mean, you know, when it comes to <laughs> hmm, spin Pacific off? Northwest, yeah. I think so. My dad owned a hardware store. You're not going to believe oh, this. No so shit! Oh my god! Yeah. You are going to come be a guest <laughs> in our hardware store. <laughs> See, I'm just hoping for the next budget party. I want spin off. <laughs> We're bringing we're bringing you with us. Oh great! You gonna go yeah. talk about oh, hardware let's stores? Not, let's not wait. Make him wait. What, what was the name of the store? Oh God! It was it, it was kind of like uh, you know the Dutch equivalent of Ace Hardware. So it was a uh, like, like IKEA. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. IKEA. How did we not mention? We did have. Studies. Oh, I know. Oh, we did have no IKEA. Come on. Yeah. We had we had IKEA furniture. Uh, you know, style furniture. The stuff comes in a cardboard box, and you figure out how to put it together. You know, and it lasts you probably uh, God bless five Sweden. years. <laughs> yeah, until you have to move it. Yeah, <laughs> and then it all just falls apart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They did that, but there was also uh, there was a lumberyard. You know, there was Seattle invented Swedish furniture. <laughs> they did. Yeah, that's right. What else did they? Invent? The Swedish meatball, Seattle. <laughs> really? Huh? No, oh, I don't. Shit. The Swedish. Well, I'm vegetarian. Let's just, let's just put that out there, though. Swedish is just. No one will question it. Well, speaking of the old film row, so when I first moved to Seattle in the early 90s, uh, I don't remember if it was on second or third, somewhere close to here, part of old film row, they had moved, they had basically transformed an old movie screening room into a porn theater. I don't remember the name of this place, but it was right down here, and they were still, you know, like showing porn in a theater setting, like old school style from the 70s. And me and some buddies, just out of curiosity, walked in there. And the thing that stuck in my head is that they were selling popcorn at the front. And I remember thinking, like, who goes into a porn theater and buys popcorn? Is that what it was? Is that what it was? But I just did they have popcorn? Did they twizzlers too? Now wait a minute. They may have. How old were you when you get one? 
Are you drunk? Maybe the sign said cock porn, not popcorn. <laughs> cock porn. Poppycock. Poppycock. Pop, yeah. Anyway, wow, a little yeah, film row. Uh, puns just write themselves. Footnote there for you. Yeah. Well, seriously, though. I got seeds Seattle has a rich history of hardware stores. We could do a whole fucking series of podcasts on that for sure. And an awesome history of adult entertainment. Lusty Lady being kind of you know one of the well known. Yeah, I think I I, I, I see some spinoffs. I see mm. some spinoffs in our future. Uh, possibilities yeah. are endless. Yeah. yeah, the history is rich. It's very interesting. Right. There's a few tiny little places that we could still go and record. Not many. Thank sure. God. Thank God. We still I, have dive bars. I realize and awesome now that like once, you, we can come to. once you guys arrive at Shorties, it's time to. You're at the bottom of the barrel. We gotta rethink this. <laughs> we gotta rethink this concept here. Maybe hardware stores is better next time. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Kind of scraping. It's like, oh, well, okay. What else we got? We're, we're done with dive bars. We got porn, <laughs> hardware stores. Unless <laughs> we remind you, we are at the second best bar in the city. <laughs> so. Well, shit. We were almost out of time here and gonna be wrapping up, but this is. Our final episode for season two, which is hard to believe. Yeah, I know. But I know. We've got another another season in the bag. We're already talking some awesome ideas, some great stuff, some fantastic places we are going to visit for season three. Absolutely. So definitely yep. need to stay That's tuned great. for that. And That's we'll have great. you along for the ride, Ava. I should appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, but I thought it would be kind of cool. Maybe all of us go around uh, round robin real quick, including you, Ava, out about some, some of our favorite places that we visited in season two. And Ava, maybe you can talk about some like your favorite uh, well, we dive bar the, joints and the, the owner of Jules Mays and the Hell yeah! Jules Mays. Hell that's how yeah. we kicked off season two. Yeah. That's right, yeah. kicked off oh, season that's two great. Yeah. with the, the bookend. So yeah, we we started out season two in the search for Seattle's oldest bar, and we visited a few different places. We visited uh, Jules Mays. The Merchant Cafe and the Central Tavern. Yep. Or the Central Saloon, I guess it's now known as. And we found out that the Merchant's was indeed the oldest bar in Seattle. Spoiler alert. But it was a cool way to start the season. It was cool to visit these old historic places in historic Pioneer Square. Go back to episodes one, two, three, and four. Yeah. Awesome content. Yeah. Oldest bar. Yeah. And over season two, we also visited the Backdoor Pub on Lake City Way. Mm-hmm. We made our first trip to Capitol Hill at the Deluxe. Yeah, also we went to West Seattle. West Seattle. West Seattle yeah. Pogies. Yep. Went to the Water Wheel. Oh, the Water Wheel. Green Lake. Oh, that was yeah. one of the big yeah. surprises yeah. for season two for me was the Little Red Hand because I'm not like a big country guy. Yeah. It's a country bar. Country's not really in my scene. So right. I was kind of like went in there, you know, yeah. not really knowing what to expect. But that turned out to be an awesome place. Yeah. So for me, yeah. that was kind of like one of the highlights of yeah. season two for me. Yeah. That was super fun. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, you know, for season two, I'd have Judy to. Judy Allsby. Yeah. Judy uh, yeah. Allsby. One of those killer murals in there. Yeah, the some murals some in of the there. fantastic yeah. places that we made. Naked on Horseback and John Wayne. Wait, yeah. Naked on a Horseback? Yeah. yeah. Naked? They were naked the on owner. Horse. Listen to it again, Jeremy. Keep, keep <laughs> <Yeah>. on <that>. <laughs> <laughs> I'll listen and I'll see the naked person on the. Okay. A- anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure, but like. The cool people that we met along the way, the awesome things that we saw along the way. I, I got a shout out to the water wheel. You mentioned the water wheel. That was fantastic. I, I love the water wheel for a couple of reasons. One, one is the bartender was super cool. Super cool. Yeah. Remember the bartender? Yep. Yeah. Very chill. Yep. Yeah. And uh, 
the they had a trademark characteristic that is a uh, has been fantastic for a lot of the dive bars that we've visited them both. There you go, right? Season one and season two, the U-shaped bar, yeah, which was a carryover from their old location. We had a yep. cool story about whatever. They yep. also had a pretty awesome patio that they Great expanded, patio. a COVID yeah. patio, if you want to call it that, because they expanded like whatever and outside, you know, distancing we were there and all that. During that. the smoke, storm. the smoke, the smoke oh, storm. Man. And that was, I mean, that wasn't like. <laughs> great but that was weird yeah. it was memorable it was memorable yeah oh my god yeah, yeah for <laughs> yeah. sure yeah but awesome location but also just We're the fact that a couple days early we talked about what i think is very emblematic of seattle which is we were in an area that was rife with gentrification and we were in a location the Waterwheel tavern that yeah. was like bucking that yeah. trend yeah. much like shorty's has done right yeah like, that's a good point there's shit has come and gone over seattle history and like just mowed over awesome historic businesses but some of them have like given the middle finger and like and nope we're staying over like the history and society and said like we're still here we're still rocking we're still a kick-ass bar Shorty's is one of them. I think the water wheel was another awesome one over in Ballard. Here, here. Yeah, here, well said. Yeah. All right, so are we getting ready to knock it on the head? Well, what's your favorite I think so. memories? You like to catch? Oh, from, uh, yeah, well, season, yeah, season two. My favorite one is uh, Merchants, probably. Oh, yeah. Merchants was well, fun. You know, and, Seattle. Yeah, and I, uh, I just wanted to say in general, you know, uh, of course, I wasn't part of the whole series, and I wasn't part you're of the with series. Yeah, spirit, You were with us in spirit, Ava. You're with us in spirit. Yeah, you were with us. Appreciate that, guys. But um, I just want to say that, you know, in general, I feel that, uh, you know, Pioneer Square being the original Seattle neighborhood, yeah. as they say, uh, there are uh, remnants left of what used to be there. Uh, the Merchant Bar is one of them. Uh, mm-hmm. Central, t- you know, Central... And that's probably what the correct uh, name would be for if you switch tavern to saloon. A saloon has hard liquor. Tavern yeah. does not have. That's right. That's correct. That's yeah. right. Uh, yeah. But uh, you know, it's it's the original Seattle, and uh, you know, all the gentrification has been happening. Uh, people complain about how oh, old Seattle. You know, you know, the place has gone to hell. Right. I always tell. You know, why don't you why don't you why don't you just go to fucking Pioneer Square? That's right. It's it hasn't all it's all it yeah. hasn't changed for as long as I've lived here. Yeah, you know? true. It's still the same shithole that you love to see. That <laughs> <laughs> we know and love. That yeah, we know and love. love. Yeah, that's and right. I must give a shout out to the Meyer, which is a great bar, yeah, which no, is right yeah, next door it, to Bon Voyage. Yes, yes, Keith. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and those guys, you know, and that's what I mean. And those and that's a neighborhood where people set up shop because they love it, not so much because they want to get rich. It's because they mm-hmm. love being there. And they love being uh, part of that historic tradition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. and it's there's a lot of true flavor in that neighborhood that you don't see anywhere else in Seattle. Damn yeah, straight, yeah, damn straight. You're not wrong. And Bob, what about you? What's your uh, looking back on season two? I'd say probably a couple of the most memorable for me. I really enjoyed the Slim's Last Chance. We went there for the oh. Thursday night for the for the party. Yeah. That, that was, was fun. That yeah, was a hell of a party. Little, yeah, little loud, little noisy, but little little fun, yeah, little that, boisterous. That was a great time. And then um, obviously, I liked the Streamline. That was kind of like close <coughs> close oh. to me. But then uh, the yeah. Pogi Tavern, just because Pogies. I'm from West Seattle, I spent many an afternoon at that bar stool. <laughs> Yeah, solo, or with my friend Jerry, or even with my sister, <laughs> uh, we'd go there, and Big Jim would just pour us up, and we just sit there and like, yeah. So I, lo- I like the Pogies, fun place. That was a good one. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I was back home when I was over there. Awesome. Well, you know, I'm thinking 
prepping for season three here, we need to uh, branch out a bit, do more of the little deep dives into the West Seattle, uh, Capitol Hill, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. maybe revisit uh, Pioneer Square. There's definitely some places. Maybe get, get to Magnolia to the boxcar. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, uh-huh. that's on my radar. Lots of opportunity. The Game Lab is also a uh, Magnolia man. The Game Lab. What? The Game Lab. Yep. The Chinese restaurant, the game one. Yep, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think they only have two kinds of booze on the shelf. We gotta we gotta head to uh, we gotta head to the rickshaw, we gotta head over maybe over to Ballard, we gotta yeah, there's stick around, we got more to come for sure. Yeah, we did Baronoff this year. That was a good one. (laughs) Yeah, that was a good one too. Oh and now talking to that shout out to the Baronoff and the Marie's blue cheese dressing that story is amazing i've told so many people <laughs> yeah marie's blue cheese dressing so, started on greenwood Ave. so again to, fair enough yeah to, to recap seattle invented blue cheese dressing that's right that's right i yeah. see a theme here yeah <laughs> and in fact i think we invented salad dressing to in general before in general. seattle came yeah. along people were just eating yeah. salad raw yeah, yeah. just lettuce and raw kale and yeah. lettuce and yeah. it was disgusting yeah, yeah. and seattle's like what the hell? and then marie was like no you what shall have something on that salad that's right yeah we are running out of new neighborhoods to explore but we still got uh, we still plenty. got a lot of places we got wedgwood we got sandpoint we got like 15 seasons easy yeah. easy we haven't been to yeah. We'll, we'll, all be, we'll all be like 80 years yeah. old still doing this fucking podcast. And you guys can go down to SeaTac and see what's over yeah. there. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is this is really Lucky Tacoma. Lucky liquor. We got to go to Tacoma. I'd be the bullpen. That was a nice. And we also we also talked about the bullpen off Pack Highway. Oh, I don't even yeah. know what that is. We it's talked no about doing some road that. trips. <laughs> maybe heading to like maybe Vegas. No, I'm thinking like fucking Vegas. Head out maybe <laughs> New York. We we'll yeah. go to Buffalo. We'll go, talking about the franchise. We'll go to Detroit. And Lou said oh, he was going to fund all this, right? Chicago. Come on. We'll get a piece. You know, can I say something else? I just realized that. Uh, Seattle is the birthplace of the bar podcast. Oh, yeah! Look at this guy. And that is. We invented podcasts. Yes. There's a reason we keep you. <laughs> yeah, all of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah guys. Nice. Good Thanks call. for having me. Let's well, thank you for oh, having okay. us here. Yeah. This was awesome. Nice uh, to get Abe out. Yeah. This is fantastic. We're yeah. here at Shorty's. Yeah, um, yeah, I can't believe that I somehow wound up in this place and. Now I'm sitting here shooting the shit about, you know, cheap drinks. And makes You're an old timer now, like reminiscing, yeah. Yeah, yeah the good old And it's still going it's strong. How did that happen? Very well earned. For sure. Yeah. Second sure. best bar in town. Great way, <laughs> great way to wrap up season two. We got lots of great shit coming for season three. We talked about, gave a little little hint, a little, little taste, a little, little, uh, yep. little, 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 little teaser. Little teasers of what's coming up for season three. So stick around, uh, like, subscribe, and follow. We'll be here kicking off season three here in just a couple of weeks. And until then, uh, cheers to everybody. And happy 2023. And if happy you're listening to this 40 years in the future, happy whatever the fuck year you're in. Inline stiff drinks out. Oh.